Well, good morning and greetings. Greetings from uh, River Church in Brownsville. Um, during our prayer time earlier, uh, was it Izzy? Someone, someone uh, said, uh, call me River Randy. And then next thing you know, they, they, they prayed for me and they prayed for me as River Randy. And I, I had to, then I had to explain to them, my name actually isn't River. That was just the nickname, but my name is actually Randy. Although River Randy, I'm taking that home with me. I think that's going to... May stick, may stick. Hey, uh, so yeah, you, I was here back in September, and, you, and uh, you all were just such kind people. I think it was September, October, something like that, and you guys were so kind to me and to Lydia and took such good care of us. I thought, I'll come back. I'll come back. So here I am. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about me, just because I, I kind of like to know about a guy before I listen to him preach. Um, I grew up in Brownsville, uh, Homer Hannah High, 18 years old. I graduated and left, and I was gone for a long time. Uh, Lydia is a Los Fresnos Falcon, and she left, and we were both gone for a long time. And then back in, back in uh, oh, 15 years ago or so, we, we decided to move home, and we were part of this church plant, uh, um, uh, River Church. And we didn't originally come back to Brownsville to plant, although we thought we might one day, and then it did actually happen. We have five kids, two are grown and out of the house. Uh, third is about to leave in a few months. Uh, and so before you know it, we're gonna, in just a few months, we're gonna have only two in, uh, still under our roof. And so most of you are younger than me, but a few of you know that feeling of transition where you're starting to send kids off and it's a good feeling and a bittersweet feeling. But anyway, that's who we are. And so we were delighted to, looking forward to driving up here this morning and, and worship with you. So, um, yesterday, um, I, was, uh, I was done fishing with my two youngest sons. We were in Arroyo City. We were done. We were driving, we were driving back uh, from a successful day of fishing, pulling the boat behind uh, the truck. And we came to an intersection, an intersection on a farm road. And I said to my sons, I said, that... That, uh, that corner right there, because we're at an intersection, that corner right there, I said, you know, you know sons, uh, a, a wealthy man bought that 50 acres right there, which is a fairly, fairly large amount of land. A, a wealthy man bought that 50 acres, and I know, because I, I know him, he, uh, he then turned around and he sold the 10 acres right there on the corner, uh, he, he sold it to a utility company where they're building a warehouse and they're building their, their facility. And then he, uh, and then he, he uh, sold the, the, the other 40 acres. And by the way, this 50 acres, he, he purchased rather cheaply. And he sold the 10 acres to, the, to, the, to this utility company. And then the, the 40 acres behind that um, he, uh, he sold to some uh, low-income people, first-time home buyers. They wanted to, they wanted to you know, move into their first home. And, and so that, that back 40 acres was, was developed in that way. And so this, this fella, I don't know, he doubled, he tripled his, his money um, just by buying and selling. He didn't really have to leave his desk. Um, just because he had some money to buy the land in the first place, he was able to, to uh, in, a, in a shrewd, wise fashion, buy and sell and, and make some real money. And, um, and then we, we continued driving down, down the road, and within just a few minutes, um, <clears throat> we, we drove by uh, basically a, a, a colonia uh, and, um, with, with trailers and... Uh, my my sons, because we they've, they've they've been raised down here. They they know that area well because we've lived out there for about 15 years. They know that when we drive past that spot, they know that 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 area actually floods. Um, you know, every time there's a hurricane, like people are in their rubber boots walking walking into their homes, and just the stench, and then the mosquitoes, and and not just during hurricanes, but any of these you know these massive rains that we have in September. Um, and so there was that, that there was that, just that, uh, that paradox, you know, or that, that differentiation. And so uh, I should say, and you, you probably goes without saying, but I should say that not, it's, it's not unrighteous to be wealthy. We, we certainly, 
nor is it unrighteous to be poor. In fact, most of the people that I know who have money, who are wealthy, they have, they have gotten their money honestly. So that's not my point here. But, but there does seem to be something within us. Every time I, I drive by a colonia, and then within a few minutes I'm driving by comparatively a large mansion out in the country, you know, just a stone's throw away from one another. Every time I drive by something like that, it just seems to me inside of me like, oh, there's, there's something out of balance here. There's something out of balance. Would I rather live in the mansion than the colonia? Of course, but there just seems to be something out of, out of balance. And for, for many people in life, <clears throat> maybe, maybe all of us, certainly many people in this room today, there, there is this sense of, ah, uh, is life meaningless? I, I sure hope not. I talk, I talk to a lot of people as a pastor who, you know, if you really get right down to it, that's the question that they're asking in their mind. Like, is, is my mind, is my life meaningless? So, so then we jump into, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's like a really big bummer if you just read it in a cursory fashion, if you don't drill down deep. So it's good that you, as a church, under Pastor Marco's leadership, are drilling down deep because, again, a cursory just... Passover reading might lead you to, to believe, like, oh yeah, life's just meaningless for everybody. So this tension, when you see the poor and you see the rich, and it's like, wow, what? the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, and, and like, that doesn't seem fair, you know, or, you, or, you, or, or uh, in, in today's passage, you see like the, the, righteous, the unrighteous are getting away with everything. Uh, in the meantime, the righteous, they're trying to do the right thing, and they just, they just don't seem to get ahead, and so the wicked are getting, or uh, being rewarded, and just this tension, and then on top of that, you throw into like, well, what do we even do with, with the poor? What do we even do with poverty? Jesus said something that I just really don't like, but he said it, so we gotta embrace it, right? He said this, he said in Matthew 26, the poor you will always have with you. And I, I would have liked it if Jesus would have said something like, you guys work really hard and eventually you'll stamp out poverty, but he didn't say that. He said, the poor you will always have with you. And yet in, and yet in the midst of that, there's this ethic throughout not just the New Testament, but throughout the entire Bible that we are to care for the quartet of the vulnerable. I think I used that phrase last time when I preached back in September, the quartet of the vulnerable. Throughout Scripture, we are Old Testament and New Testament, we find that God's heart beats for the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. If that makes you angry, Drill down deep in Scripture because it's all, it's, it's all over. We are called, as an ethic of the, 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 the Christian, we are to care for the, uh, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. So there's this tension in life. Like, like on the one hand, we're supposed to care about this, but on the other hand, it almost seems like it's never going to get fixed on this side of eternity. So this tension, this pulling, this, this paradox, this this troubling nature of Scripture. Now, we have read all 17 verses, uh, and, and they're all meaningful. Now we're going to jump back in, and I'm going to, in, in a little more slow and plodding fashion, I, I want to really camp out on the last four verses. Um, I asked Marco if you guys would be cool if I preached until 3 and we covered the entire 17 verses. He said that probably wouldn't be cool. So we're going we're gonna to not ignore the other verses, but we're going to really camp out on the last four. So if we can look at those, Ecclesiastes 8, starting right with, um, with, with verse 14. And I'm now projecting it, or I'm now, we're now reading it, uh, I believe, from a, a slightly different translation, both solid translations here, but there's some wording here that, as we drill down deep, I just want to take a look at. There's something else meaningless. Actually, no, this is, this is, this is the, same, the same one. There is a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. Do you see that tension? Like, it seems like the righteous should be 
should be uh, rewarded. But, it, but, but at times, it seems as though the wicked get rewarded. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. Some translations use the phrase, the enjoyment of life. You know, just fun all the time. I commend joy, for man is nothing better under the sun, but to eat, drink, be joyful. Fun all the time. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom, and here this wisdom is, is the, the, the mind, the knowing of knowledge, the, the attainment of of facts and knowledge. When, when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the, 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 the busyness that is done on earth, the commerce, the industry, your, your vocation, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, right? The working and then the working again and then the going, leaving, the going home at 9 p.m. and then the going back at 6 a.m. not knowing a night's sleep. Verse 17, then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out or he cannot comprehend it. Okay, so what we really want, <clears throat> I think, every one of us in this room, <clears throat> we want to take this, this meaningless life and we want to attach some sort of meaning to it, right? I mean, that's the, the title of today's sermon that, that I, I gave it, is how to, how to have a meaningful life in the midst of the mundane, the low-grade boredom that maybe you feel in life. We want to attach meaning to it. I mean, I don't want my life to be meaningless. I don't want my life to be in vain. Just a year or so ago, we watched uh, the, that musical, uh, the Broadway musical, we watched it on, it was during the COVID era, we watched it on, on, our, on our little TV, but the, the, the musical Hamilton. How many of you have seen that? Okay, so. You know that, I'm not throwing away my shot. Remember that, that you know, like he doesn't want to throw away his shot. He wants to, he wants to count. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to waste. Like in, in, in his, this is, not a good, this is not a good way of looking at life, but, but I think what's implied in, his, in that little song, or whatever, rap, whatever, is that, that you only get like one chance in life. Well, many of us could already say like, the Lord has given me more than one chance, right? But that, that idea of I don't want to waste my life. Like, there's that, that, that desire within, I believe, almost every human being is that you want whatever you're going to do, you want to, however you say it, you want to leave a legacy. And so many of us be like, well, my legacy is my children. You know, or I, wanna, I want my life to count. Or I want it to matter. I, wanna, I want meaningfulness. You know, however you would say that. And by the way, I don't think that the final verdict in, here, in, here in Ecclesiastes, I don't think that the final verdict is, ah, everything in life, or everything under the sun is meaningless, period. I don't think that's the, the, the actual point. You, 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 might, you might get that upon, again, just a, a quick reading of the book, but I don't think everything under the sun is meaningless, period, end of story. Uh, I don't think that is actually the final verdict. I mean, if that is the final verdict, then, like, we shouldn't be here, right? I mean, I, I got up early this morning with the sun, and I was like, the wind is really low. It's going to be a sunny day. It'd be a good day to be out on the bay. Like, I could really be catching some fish. If life is just meaningless, period, then, you know, we should, I should be out fishing. I mean, a, a, a good second choice is uh, Roosevelt and Seven. I love that place. We could be there right now, right, instead of here. If, <laughs> yeah, uh, if 
um, if life is truly, if that is truly the final verdict, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it is. But in the quest for meaningfulness in life, uh, you may feel as though you've hit a brick wall. Like, like whatever your age, but I'm just going to, like, many of you are this age, so maybe, like, you're in your early 30s, and you're like, man, I've, I've done enough living uh, at this point in life. Like, I'm a full-fledged adult. It seems like I should have found meaning in life now, but I've just, I'm stuck. I feel like I've hit a brick wall. There are at least three places that we commonly go, and this is a futile, this is a futile e- a sort of effort, but there are three places that we commonly go to look for meaning and purpose in life. And that's why I read those last four verses. We're going we're gonna to look at them starting with verse 15. But, but, but notice where the author in these last, in the last uh, 15, 16, 17, the last three verses in particular, first of all, 15, um, notice where the author in the last three verses takes us to find meaning. Let me ask you, is this where you maybe are going to find meaning. First of all, in verse, in verse 15, the, the, the uh, ESV says, and I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. And uh, another translation, the NIV actually says, uh, so I commend the enjoyment of life, because there's nothing better under the sun, than to eat, drink, be glad. A paraphrase, Eugene Peterson's The Message, actually says like this. So I'm all for just going ahead and having a good time. And Drake said YOLO, right? Um, I know that's a little dated, but then, then again, so am I. Um, the idea of just having fun all the time. Like, how you doing, man? I'm just having fun. Like, how's your family? You're having fun. Like, so... <clears throat> How's church going? Oh, we're just having we're just having fun, right? And and um, I I'm I'm good at having fun. Like I really I really enjoy lots of hobbies, lots of pastimes, lots of just the intricacies of life, including you know charcuterie and a well a well well cooked steak and and all of that. And yet and yet. There are times where I just run out of ideas of how to have fun because <clears throat> it just doesn't seem to ever close the deal as far as what I'm wanting, what I'm needing. The search for meaning and fun. There's a second, there's a second search. It's a, a futile search, but a second search that uh, the author that Solomon speaks of, and that is the search for meaning in, in knowledge. In knowledge. We see that in verse, uh, I believe it's verse 16. In verse 16, um, when I applied my heart to know wisdom, the uh, NIV says, when I applied my mind to know wisdom. We'll come back to that verse here in a minute. But, but the idea here is <clears throat> not so much a godly sort of wisdom as, as it is the sense of attaining knowledge, education, and understanding and, and a, a broad vocabulary that you can show off when you preach. And, and uh, becoming an expert at something. Better yet, becoming an expert at everything. I, uh, I've, I'm, I'm working on, a, um, another, on another master's degree. And I've, I've been studying hard. I'm an old man. I don't retain, I'm not that old, but I don't retain knowledge as well or as quickly as I used to. And there are days, um, I'm, I'm, there are days where I'm, I'm in a high-level Hebrew class right now, and I, I'm like, man, I don't even, what in the world? Nobody speaks Hebrew. I mean, actually, people do speak Hebrew, but, but you know, um, <coughs> that's, what we, that's what we have computer programs for, right? Like, why am I doing this? 
Because ultimately, the, the, the accrual of knowledge is, it's, it's good. It serves a purpose, but ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't feed the soul. And there's a, there's a third search, the search for meaning in work and career. And we see that, if we go back to verse 16 again, it says, when I applied my heart to know wisdom, and then it says, and to see the, the busyness that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Um, in another translation, they observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night. The idea here is that we search for meaning in, in our careers. Like, I want fulfillment. And, 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 and so if I'm successful, and man, pastors struggle with this as much as anybody else. You know, if I'm successful, then I'm valuable. And then if I, if I flounder a bit in my career, then I, I'm, I'm less valuable. And, and that, that, that tension. And, and, and so I would ask, why, why isn't fun ultimately able to sustain, sustain my joy? Why isn't intelligence ultimately able to sustain my joy? Why isn't my career, why can't money, why can't the accrual of things ultimately sustain my joy? I'm just going to read to you a quote that we're not going to project it, but it's a quote that you've probably heard before. Regarding this, this, this desire within us that just never is fulfilled. You've probably heard C.S. Lewis said, if, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. That we're that we're just passing through. I read somewhere recently that, that Randy Alcorn says, like, we're here on a short-term visa, but our citizenship is in heaven. In this quest, in this quest to determine the meaningful of life, I'll let you in on what I'm referring to as a little secret, and that is that 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 until I determine what really matters in life, it's hard to find meaning in life. What I mean by that is, is the, this, 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 this search for fun, like I'm just gonna have fun, exclamation mark. Uh, uh, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna make a lot of money, I'm just gonna be the smartest guy around, I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm going to have a great career. The, the reason that stuff does because that doesn't really, actually, ultimately matter even to you. Never mind what God thinks about it. I mean, that's ultimately important. But, but for the moment, let's just, let's just realize those things don't even really matter to you. I'll give you a little proof of that. I've talked to a lot of people who are, who are potentially on their deathbed. And... Just, it's just, it's just, a, no one ever, man, I just, I wish I would have had more fun in life. I wish I would have gone to Belize. And they never, they, 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 they never say, they never say, I just wish I would have taken one more graduate school degree. I wish I would have gotten a few more credits. I wish I would have gotten an A rather than an A minus. They don't say that. They don't say like, I wish, you know, Pastor Randy, I wish I would have stayed at work longer. I wish I would have stayed there till nine o'clock every night instead of eight o'clock. I just should have worked harder. I should have built my career. I should have worked harder at making a successful career for myself. People don't say that. Why? Because those things don't really matter to you. We lie to ourselves and we say that they do, but they don't. And so, it's no wonder that we cannot determine the meaning of life when we don't even really know what matters to ourselves individually, personally. Sometimes we determine life to be meaningless when we don't even know what life's about. 
What we're even searching for in life. What am I even looking for? What, what are you actually looking for in life? You may need to answer that question. Going back to all the way back to uh, maybe the first sermon, probably the first sermon that, 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 that you guys um, heard preached on, on Ecclesiastes, going all the way back to Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2, this is just a, a summary of the verse, but it says vanity of vanities, right? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, says the preacher. Bummer, man, who wants to go to that guy's church, right? Like he stands up every week and he's vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Nobody wants to go there. Well, think on this, the wisest man of his day, that's how Solomon, that's how Solomon was known, the wisest man of his era. He's saying to us, life is like a treadmill. I'm getting nowhere. What a waste. So if I'm looking at, at, at if I'm looking at life in the here and the now, just the moment, just the day, it's brief, it's fleeting in that sense. In that sense, Solomon is right. Just the fleeting nature of the moment that's, that's here and gone and, and here and gone, there is a meaningless to, to that. So, so in all of Solomon's efforts, uh, they're commendable, but in all of his efforts, Solomon comes to this conclusion that if, if meaning in this life for you is apart from God, apart from God, if that is the, the, the extent of your existence, then life is miserable. Let me say that again. Solomon ultimately comes to the conclusion that, that if, if the meaning of life for you is found apart from God, and that's the extent of your existence, then life for you is meaningless, or is miserable, rather. So if, if, if you today, I and mean, be honest with yourself, if, if you today, uh, you're trying to find meaning, and, and you're trying to find meaning apart from God, then according to Solomon, you're miserable. And you say, no, Pastor Andy, hold on. I'm, I'm not miserable. Then, okay. But for those of us who really resonate, I'm not saying that all of us are trying to live life apart from God, but, but if we really resonate with, with the author, with, with Solomon, we'd say, yeah, you know, there is this miserableness in chasing after the wind. If, if, if that's... If, if you can resonate with that, then where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? So a popular phrase that, uh, that we find throughout um, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, even people that don't read the Bible often, often quote this, it says, there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And so how do we deal with that head on and embrace the fact that that's true. In a, in a momentary sense, life is fleeting. Life is passing. It seems meaningless. So how do we, how do we deal head on with the idea that there's nothing new under the sun? I'm gonna introduce a new phrase, and that is we attempt to live above and beyond the sun. Think on that for a moment. If, if Solomon's saying like under the sun, like here on this little planet, spinning, we're on it, under the sun, ain't nothing new, it's all kind of meaningless, all kind of futile. What he is calling us to do is to, is to live beyond the sun as C.S. Lewis said, we are, we are made for another world. As Randy Alcorn and the authors of the New Testament say, we, we have a citizenship in heaven. <clears throat> I have a quote by August, uh, Augustine. He says this, Solomon's ultimate, Solomon's ultimate purpose 
in the book of Ecclesiastes is to lead those who are wise to yearn for another kind of life that is the substantial reality of the one who created the sun. You see, we live under the sun, and Solomon's right, there's nothing new under the sun. If, we just, if we're just living apart, our existence is apart from the reality of God, we're just trying to find meaning under the sun, apart from God, then yes, it is vain. There is vanity. It is, it is meaningless. But as Augustine says, what Solomon's, his ultimate purpose isn't to just bum us out. Solomon's ultimate purpose is to call us, the, the wise, to call us to yearn for another kind of life. A, substanti- a substantial reality of the one who created the sun. We live over and above the sun, said another way, and now we're moving into a, a New Testament teaching and ethic, said another way, Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. I think that's where, King, uh, where, where, where Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, really wants us to land. And so I want to go now to Colossians chapter 3. Can we, can we look at that? Colossians chapter 3. Really saying the same thing that, 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 uh, that King Solomon is saying. So since then, you've been raised with Christ. Since or if would be another way of translating the original. It, if, if that's you, if you walk in here every week and you're like, yes, I've been raised with Christ. I, I, I've, I've died to my old self. I've been raised with Christ. I am now a Christ follower I am now submitted to Christ I am now if that Paul in Colossians if that's you or since that's you since then you have been raised with Christ set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God again if that's you verse 2 set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Again, summary. If that's you, if you're a Christ follower, you you, you claim to be, then, then, then you are living in a different realm. You're living in a different, like, Space. I mean, yes, you're confined to this time-space continuum of 2022 in North America, right here in McAllen, Texas. Yes, in one sense, you are confined to that. But in another sense, uh, you are living in a different realm because you died to self and now you're, 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 your life is now hidden, as it says, in Christ. And he's going to one day appear... And when he does, then you will appear with him on that day. And so, two big ideas out of this passage. Big idea number one. The job. I've always, like, I've always thought in these terms, like, what is the job of a Christian? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we're supposed to be knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus? We're supposed to be, like, fighting crime for Jesus? We're supposed to be beating up wicked people for Jesus? Are we supposed to... You know, no longer drink, smoke, chew, or run with gals who do. You know, what are we supposed to be doing? Uh, what are we supposed to be doing as a, as a Christian? What is, our, what is my job? And there are, I, I suppose, because that's a super complex question, I suppose there are, are, are numerous ways, you know, ethically, theologically, we could answer this. But I think one good answer, the job of the Christian is this. It's to set my mind on things of heaven, not things of earth. To to, to slowly just be like, it's kind of a ripping, kind of a tearing of the fabric of my my, um, value system where I'm kind of pulling myself away. No longer do I... Do I highly value, mostly value the stuff of earth? But I'm, I'm more and more, I'm beginning to value 
the things of heaven. Um, super smart guy, uh, Dr. Douglas Moo, he's a, he's a theologian and a, and a professor. He says this, he says, that, that Paul in this passage is saying that the job of the believer, your job, what, are you, what am I supposed to do? Now, the job of the believer is to focus on the new heavenly dimension of reality that is dawned with the coming of Christ. Man, I've been struggling with this lately. And by, by lately, I mean my entire life. Um, it, it, is, it is the tension that is the Christian life to... To, to, to slowly be, begin valuing the stuff of heaven and wanting for that. You see, focusing on heavily, heavenly things, that's not so much a different place as it is a different mindset, a different way of seeing life. Spiritual growth only comes from focusing on the place where Christ is. If you're focused on fun and on intelligence and on labor and commerce and career goals, that's your main source. Remember, Solomon says you're actually miserable, but but we're called to, Paul says, think about the the heavenly things and keep on thinking about the heavenly things. And by the way, I think every every human being has some sense of, of intrigue regarding the eternal. Like, they may, they may not think of it in terms of Jesus' completed work on the cross, but like, I think to some degree, the, uh, the Avengers movies, uh, they, 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 they appeal to that, that, that thing within us that, want, that we want for there to be more to life. We want for life to be eternal and supernatural and, and bigger than life and so we pay the whatever 12 bucks so we can live vicariously through someone else because we want that we're just afraid to we're afraid to chase after it ourselves was it maybe a year ago or less i went with my with lydia and the kids and we went and we saw eternals i mean that's exactly like that there's the name eternal uh the movie has made marvel studio studio money because Culturally, we're intrigued by the thoughts of the eternal. So when Paul says, set your mind on things above, I don't think that's too big of a stretch for us. He just wants us to direct our thoughts at Jesus, not some nebulous sense of, I'm watching a movie, but ah, this is fake. This isn't real, but it, it feeds something within my soul. Paul says, no, the reality of Christ draws us into the eternal. The big struggle, though, is in the application. I mean, what does this mean practically? Like, I can say, set your mind on things above, set your heart on things above, but, like, how do I really do that? Well, for, for us, as, as a family, for, for, for Lydia and I, there, there's a sense of, okay, like, <clears throat> we, we, are going to, we are going to enjoy life. You know, we're going to have a house and a couple of cars, and, and we're going to, like, we are going to have fun. But, but because our perspective is eternal, because our, our home is in heaven, our citizenship is in heaven, we're, we're going to, we're going, in light of that, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be generous with our, with our, what we have, with our, with our money, because, because we're not just here on earth just to have fun. That's not, that's not the goal. That is not ultimately where we find our f- fulfillment. Our home is in heaven, and so we want to, to in light of that, this new way of, of thinking, setting my, our, our, our minds, our hearts on things above. We're going to be a generous people. I know guys who like have a, I'm, a, I'm an hour away, so I can say this, right? Uh, uh, an hour away from my home. And guys, you know, they've got like a $600 boat payment in their garage every month, just rotting away. But 
but giving $600 a month to the, to, 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 to the ministry of, of seeing the gospel proclaimed, oh, no, I can't afford that, Pastor Randy. But there's this pulling, this, this ripping, this tearing, the fabric that attaches us. It's like we're sewn to this planet Earth and, and Christ is, is slowly ripping the fabric in, in a new ethic, a new purpose, a new way of seeing life is born from that. What does it mean practically to set our hearts on things above? Well, for us as a family, we say in light of, in light of the fact that, that, that heaven and home, citizenship is in heaven, like we're going to be a family that reflects that. So yes, we're going to we're going to play. We're going to you know our kids are going to play baseball and our kids are going to sign up for, for 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 whatever. But we're also going to make the community of faith that we're a part of a priority, and we're going to drill down deep. And that's going to take that is going to so, uh, that's going to take priority over over just the stuff of earth that we're involved in fishing and 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 football and, and, and whatever, like the community of faith is going to take, we're gonna enjoy those things, but the community of faith, our connection with the body of Christ is gonna take priority over all of those things. Why, because I'm a pastor and that's how I get paid? No, although that's true, that's not why. The reason is because our citizenship is in heaven. We are setting our mind on things above. And when it comes to your career, Goals. You're going to say, "I'm going to go hard after my career. I'm going to be the best at whatever it is that I, whatever it is that you do." But, but I'm going to filter all of that through the fact that my mind, my heart, my my values—they're set on Christ. An interesting caution in Paul's day. Some Christians were so confused by this new ethic of setting your mind, setting your heart on heavenly things, they were, that they interpret this to, to mean that we should, we should give up on marriage and we should give up on sex and we should be liberated from all these earthly relationships and, and, and set our minds and hearts on things above in a really weird sense. And Paul, in several of his books, he says, no, we do not abandon our unique roles as, as, as men and women and husbands and wives and, and, and employers and employees and, and children and parents, we still embrace all of that. Uh, we just now look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. You don't just abandon all of the uniqueness of who you are. God has made you who you are in a unique fashion. You're now not called to abandon that, but to look at it through the lens of Christ. Paul would say marriage and family and work and commerce and business and your career, those things will endure as long as this world lasts. So figure it out. <laughs> Look at it through the lens of Christ. Second big idea, and that is this, the outcome. The first big idea, again, was that our job is to set our minds on things of Christ, on heavenly things. The, the second big idea is just the outcome. What is hidden about your life will one day be revealed. That comes out of also out of this Colossian. Okay, what does that mean? It means that our true status as Christians, you, some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of you have been following Jesus only for a short time. This big idea means that, 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 that the, the, your status, your, that you are a sons and daughters of the living God, you are Christ's father, that that's, it's actually veiled. In Colossians it says that you're hidden in Christ, you're hidden. But one day Christ will appear and you will appear too. Meaning that, that your true status as a, as a Christ follower, it, it's hidden, especially to those around you who do not have a relationship with Christ. I can't look around, not really, and tell, okay, yeah, you, you've, you've been buried with Christ. You've been raised to new life. You're one day going to appear with Christ when he appears. I can't look around and, you know, by the, by the, the silly grin on your face determine whether or not it's hidden. 
And, and, and the significance of that is that man, sometimes when you, in fact, maybe most of the time or all of the time, when you're hidden in Christ and you're, you're, you're faithfully following Jesus, sometimes you just get tired. You know, I just have such admiration for people who have, who have faithfully served Christ for a lifetime. In a day and an age where so many people fall away, some of you in this room, you've just been faithful. And, and you will be, some of you in this room, you will be faithful to the end. And, and, and the significance of this is what is hidden will one day be revealed. The, the significance is that, that, that Christ calls you just, just keep on, keep on focusing on things of, of, of heaven. Keep on focusing on, on heavenly things. And sometimes if we're honest, sometimes we just, we ask like, is it really worth it? Like I know, I know people that are, you know, spending all the money that they make on themselves and, you know, borrowing extra money to spend on themselves. And here I am following Jesus, called to be a generous person with my money, generous person with my time. I serve other people. And I want to, I want to, but like, does it really pay off? Is it really worth it? In this passage, what it's saying is that one day, that's that's now a secret, but one day it will be revealed that you are a child of God, that that, that you you finish strong, that you didn't fall away. In Romans 8, there's this beautiful beautiful thought, this beautiful teaching that, that all of creation, like it's groaning, it's waiting, it's wanting for the day when when the when when God's children are actually revealed. Hang in there. Be steadfast and true. I really believe there'll be a day in heaven, and it may be a long time from now, it may not be long at all, where we will, we will gather collectively, and you'll remember my name, and I'll remember your name. Won't that be amazing? And, and, and we'll, be like, we'll be like, you know what? Like, I wondered, like, I, I was faithful, but like, some days I wondered, like, is it really worth it? But you know what? It paid off. Look, here we are for eternity with Jesus. That's hidden now. You, you don't know for sure what the out, you, you're not supposed to, it's hidden. But one day, Christ will come in full force and he will be revealed and your status as a child of God will be revealed and for eternity. And we'll say collectively and individually, it was worth it. Faithful and true, steadfast. As we as we wrap this up today, maybe for you, maybe for you, like recent days um, have, have been marked by like desperation and dullness at the same time. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of moving out of it now, but that whole like two years of COVID, it was like desperate and dull, you know? And that really, that really kind of marks the, the sense of being, of, of having a meaningless, trivial life. Maybe that's, maybe that's you today. Recent days have been desperate and yet, and yet dull at the same time. And, and what do we do in those moments? We, we pursue very trivial matters. Maybe that's, you know, you're gaming and, TikTok and you know how to make sushi and I'm, oh you know by themselves all those things are fine but but there's just in the midst of of a futility we 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 try to fill the space with with trivia and if that's if that's you today then if you're feeling maybe the weight of the reality of the futility of life. I invite you to come to Jesus today. I invite you to, to set your mind on Christ. Set your heart on the things of Christ. Seek after the kingdom of God. And, and then for, for, for the rest of you, or many, many of you in this room, um, maybe instead of that first scenario that I described, maybe for you, 
you'd say, you know, Pastor Andy, I've been, I've been following Jesus for a long time and I'm glad to do it. I love Jesus. But I've just grown weary. You know? Maybe it's time for somebody else to, to, to lead the pack for a while. Maybe I just need to, to take a break. I would just encourage you, don't, don't sink into that dark place. Instead, trust Jesus. Trust the teachings of Solomon and, and the Apostle Paul that, that you, you, your steadfast, your steadfastness will be rewarded. Set your heart on the things of God. You will be rewarded one day and for eternity. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. God, we celebrate today. We celebrate today, God, the fact that you, Father, you looked down on us in our broken state. And you weren't satisfied to leave us in this condition, but you, God the Father, determined to, to send your Son to reconcile us to you, to send your Son to, to die on the cross for us. God the Father, you cleared the highest hurdle that's ever been cleared when you said, I will sacrifice my son for humanity. We celebrate you, God the Father. In Christ, Christ, the Son of God, we celebrate you today that you did not consider heaven and home something to be grasped or held on to, but you humbled yourself. You humbled yourself to the point of death. And now you are exalted. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Christ, we celebrate. We, we celebrate the fact that you willingly, voluntarily submitted yourself to the will of the Father. And God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Of course you're welcome here. You, you go where you please. But, but Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today in the sense that we don't want to miss you. We don't want to walk out of here and say, well, I, didn't, I didn't hear from the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you move tenderly and precisely in our hearts. We, we celebrate you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we exalt your name today. We, we love you and we celebrate you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.